Second Homes by Grant Eustace, starring Peter Egan as Stamford Holmes and Jeremy Nicholas as Dr. Watson. Episode 3, The Case of the Reading Undertaker. Holmes! 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 I want to look at this. Calm yourself, Watson. Remember your uh, blood pressure. Oh, yes. Yes. But have you seen have you seen today's newspaper, Holmes? Of course, and I'm encouraged to think there's something I could be doing after all. Ah, I knew that murder weapon would catch your interest. Which murder weapon is that? What? Oh, this case in Reading. You mean you haven't seen it? Well, then what were you referring to? Well, you have the paper. Why not deduce it? Ah, yes, of course. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's see. Now, what's this? Miss Angela Wainwright of Fulham has become the fourth young lady in less than two weeks to have been assaulted while crossing Hyde Park. The description in each instance has been of a tall, thin man wearing a long, flowing coat. Great Scott Holmes! You don't mean to say that... Your imagination is running away with you, Watson. I may be bored, but I'm not that bored. Oh, sorry, Holmes. Yes, sir. Well, I can't see anything else about criminal activities. I don't recall mentioning anything criminal. Try the article at the top on the right. Hmm? Uh, 50th anniversary of solo flight to Australia. You mean that? Absolutely. Don't you think it would be immensely stimulating to retrace the route of one of those pioneer aviators across the mountains and the desert and the sea? Especially if I could get hold of an original aircraft of the period. Oh, Lord. Of course, I shall need to become a pilot first myself, but it's really time I got round to that. I can't imagine it would be difficult. Uh, Holmes, stop right there. Well, I don't see why it should be difficult. It's not good enough. This is just another of your attempts to disregard your destiny. My destiny. But don't you realize who you are? When I forget, I'm sure you'll remind me. Someone has to. Does it mean nothing to you that your father's last wish was that you continue in this profession, just as he took over from your grandfather? Am I to carry that cross for the rest of my life? And you, a logical man, you ignore the most compelling reason of all. I said I'd learn to fly first. No, no, I... No, I mean that you're wasting your precious, your unique talents for analytical detection. A child's tricks, Watson, you know that. Like asking you who the lady is. What do you mean? For five years, you have conscientiously worn either your old school tie or that awful regimental one. If you now appear wearing a tie in rather subtle shades of pale blue, I can be forgiven for detecting a female touch? Well, you... You're, you're right, of course. <laughs> oh, there you are. Are you going to squander that skill on, 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 on aeroplanes? What would you suggest I squander it on? Just listen to this. Yes, I am listening. Bizarre death in Berkshire. Hmm. The body of Mr. Andrew Gerard was found yesterday near the village of Burrowfield. He had apparently been on his bicycle when he was struck and instantly killed by a crossbow bolt. A crossbow bolt. Mr. Mm. Gerard, who was a partner in a prosperous funeral direction business in Reading, was in the habit of taking long bicycle rides at the weekends. A police spokesman indicated that an early arrest was expected. That now you're always saying these dreary times are sapping the ingenuity of the criminal classes. I recall passing that remark only once. Yeah, but where are the exotic devices for murder that your family and my family had to investigate? Eh, like uh, uh, Colonel Moran's noiseless air gun firing soft nose revolver ammunition. Well, hmm? Times have changed, Watson. Even if you refuse to accept the fact. Not at all. Here is such a device. 
Who ever heard of a crossbow being used in the 1980s? I think you should go down and take a closer look. <laughs> but it talks of an early arrest. Well, that's the usual police line, isn't it? Say anything less than they sound incompetent. Well, of course, they probably are. Now, come on, Holmes. Can you resist this challenge? Easily. Now, if you come with a case involving someone who thinks on a really grand scale, an Ayatollah, perhaps? Oh, good Lord. Someone showing really engaging, paranoid tendencies. Now, you won't divert me, Holmes. Iran can wait. Reading cannot. Uh, can your new companion spare you? Oh, yes. Pity. But Jane's visiting her aunt in the north. Oh, Jane. That wouldn't be the Jane we encountered in that trifling little incident with the pearls, would it? Was, well, uh, yes, as a matter of fact, it is. <laughs> well, well, old Baskerville was right. You can't resist her pretty face. <laughs> yeah, the trouble is, I've, I've lent her my car to go to Yorkshire. Dear me, she may never get there, then. And my car's being serviced. Still, it's only half an hour on the train from Paddington. No, oh, come on, Holmes. No more prevarication. Just two weary Londoners who badly need some good Berkshire air, eh? Oh, Watson, my grandfather said that. <laughs> yes, I, I might have known you recognised that one. <laughs> hmm. Right, well, I'll just ring ahead to get the local police inspector to meet the train. <sighs> <laughs> That'll be him, Holmes. You can tell there's plainclothes police anywhere. They all wear the same manner, Mr. Holmes? Doctor? Inspector Fowler. How do you do? I know your reputation, of course, and I'm sure I'm flattered you should want to come and look at a small local incident. Uh, but I'm afraid you've had a wasted journey. Oh? As expected, we've made an arrest. Good. Well, in that case... Holmes? Uh, very well. I hope, now we're here, you'll still let us at least glance at the case. It presents a few features of interest. Uh, as you wish, but uh, you realise I'm a very busy man, and I'm Quite so. The sooner we begin, the sooner it's over. We don't waste any time down here. Uh, the man we've arrested is Charles Sawyer. All rather pathetic, really. He was infatuated with a girl called Janet Durham. Durham, eh? And she had no interest in him at all, but he was very persistent. Then last week, Miss Durham got engaged to Gerard, the undertaker. Ah! Sawyer knew nothing about this relationship until he read the announcement in the papers. The news seemed to have quite unhinged him. Extraordinary. Yeah. He went out, if you'll excuse the phrase, gunning for Gerard. <laughs> with a crossbow. Yeah, and that's what led us to him. His hobby's archery. As well as his modern bows, he owns some historical weapons, one of which is a crossbow. Sawyer has some sort of story, I imagine. Well, all he can find to say is that he missed one of the crossbow bolts a few days ago. But, of course, he didn't come forward to report the loss until after the murder. We'll have no problem making this one stick. There's your body, gentlemen. Hmm. It's a very small wound the bolt's made. Hmm. It's devilish sharp. I've got it here. You just feel that. It seems adequate to ensure death. I'm sure you'd like to see it, Watson. Well, thank you, Holmes. It won't smell after 500 years, Doctor. Don't neglect non-verbal communication, Inspector. We must involve all our senses, eh, Holmes? I'm sure you're right. Just, uh, just give me a hand with the body, Holmes, would you? Uh, where are you taking it? No, no, I just want to turn it over. Uh, ah. 
If you'd asked, I could have told you the boat went all the way through. I'm sure you could. Was Gerard a rich man? How do you know that? If I had known, there would be precious little point in asking the question. Oh. Oh, well, he inherited a lot of money when his mother died. Oh. He was one of two sons. The other one left home under something of a cloud as a young man and got nothing. Gerard was uh, pretty much of a miser by all accounts and hardly spent anything. And he didn't trust banks. We found all the money, close on 100,000, in his cellar, in a coffin. In a coffin? Good heavens, that's a bit macabre. A professional failing, no doubt. And who gets this money? Oh, that's for the court to decide. There's no will. Oh, uh, but it's not a big problem, since he had no relatives. What about the brother? Died in a mine explosion last year in South Africa. Nasty. He'd emigrated out there and became a mining engineer. So now, can we go to what Dr. Watson's stories insists on terming the scene of the crime. <laughs> Gerard's body was found over there, where the road curves. And a bolt was fired from here. Uh, you can see where the crossbows depressed the hedge. Hmm, it certainly looks like that. You see, Holmes? Yes, thank you. Who lives over there? Huh? Oh, the, uh, general. Uh, at least the locals call him that. He's a retired soldier. Is this all his land? On that side of the road, yes. Hmm, right. Thank you. How is he off to? Unlike myself, Inspector, Watson enjoys the hunt. I would happily have caught the next train back to London, but it seems we must leave no stone unturned. <laughs> you can take it from me. I've turned all there are. Oh. Good day to you. Come on, Holmes! All right, I'm coming. Fowler's going off in a bit of a huff. Mm. Competition's getting a bit too hot for him, is it? <laughs> we better go and have a word with the general, don't you think? That looks like the most direct path. I think Fowler's got the wrong man, don't you, Holmes? What makes you say that? Well, for a start, the police always do get the wrong man. <laughs> And then the fact that he is the only possible suspect. Was it not inordinately helpful of him to use the very weapon that would single him out among the entire population of the Reading area? Well, Fowler said love had made him lose command of his senses. <laughs> That's a state which occurs in real life less than the writers of cheap paperbacks would have us believe. Well, certainly the most it has made you do is change your tie. No, Holmes, it won't do at all, will it? The proposition is riddled with inconsistency. Why choose the cumbersome crossbow if you're an archer? Hmm... Why choose a, a quiet piece of country lane for an ambush and then in broad daylight stand resting your crossbow on the hedge? Would, would Fowler have us believe that this wretched undertaker cycled unhesitatingly towards someone pointing a crossbow at him? As it is, I've discovered that the bolt was actually fired from that clump of trees above the road. Well, you have got the bit between your teeth. And as your grandfather would see, and as your grandfather would have said, Holmes, Fowler has not observed... And yet he has seen. Hmm. The wound in Gerard's back was a small but nevertheless perceptible distance below the entry point in the chest. Thus, he was not killed by someone on his own level, but by someone a little above him. Good Lord. Those trees are a long way further back. You said yourself that a crossbow is accurate only over a short distance. Quite so. So the bolt wasn't fired from a crossbow. Well done, Watson. Elementary, eh, Holmes? No. Oh. <laughs> Ah, here we are. Try the bell. Ah. 
Absolutely. Know the name, of course. Not a soldier, were you? I'm afraid I'm a... Hey, you, you'll have to speak up. I'm a bit deaf. Gunner, you see. It happens to the best of you when you have artillery firing around you all day long. I'm afraid I am a consulting detective. Ah, that one. Got it now. About the death of Gerard, is it? Yes. Good riddance. Wretched little squirt. Aha. Uh-huh. Why didn't you like him? My wife's funeral. Complete botch of it he made. Embarrassing. Only interested in money, you see. No thought for personal feelings. Mm. Young Sawyer's done a service there to Janet Dunham, I shouldn't wonder. Mm. Pretty girl. Is she? Mm. Don't know what put it into her head to marry him. Can't have any brains. But then most of them don't, do they? Oh, I remember my... Do you, do you do a lot of shooting on your estate? Uh, yes, yes. Like to hear the noise, you know. Really? Uh, can't hit much now. I'm as blind as a bat. Well, do you shoot in the cops down towards the road? Can see you're no soldier. No soldier? And it'd be like trying to fire inside a trench. Now, most of the shooting's done over this side of the estate. Look, I'll show you. Come over to the window. My time in the TA. Watson, I'm not deaf. Still, even if he is an old fool, he put his finger on a point that's been troubling me. When we saw the body, it was clear that Gerard was anything but good looking. Now, the general cast doubt on his personality. So, what attracted Miss Durham into marriage? Well, don't ask me, Watson. You're the one who knows the fair sex. Oh, come now. <laughs> You sound like Casanova. Now, who should we interview next? Mine host at the Feathers. You think he might be important? Unless I am very much mistaken, their port used to be above mediocrity, and the linen above reproach. Holmes, really, can you never keep your mind on a case for more than five minutes? Not if I can help it. Well, oh, I like a top. Mm. Must be all this fresh air. How about you? Oh, I got a few hours. I know that tone of voice, Holmes. What have you been up to? Oh, just a little housebreaking. Oh. Those scrambled eggs look excellent. Housebreaking? Holmes, you'll get yourself arrested. Only if you continue shouting about it to the remainder of the dining room. Perhaps. Have you gone mad? I don't think so. Mmm, this is delicious. What? Oh. I beg your pardon. What on earth could have possessed you? Oh, I see. Pass me some more of that bacon, would you? Thank you. I was bored. And besides, you're always lecturing me about my talents, Watson. So I was trying just not to let one or two get rusty. Yeah, but what about this case? It's high time we started making some calls. I've hardly started eating. Those must be the undertaker's premises. And by Jove, we've seen that car before. It was at the General's farm. I recognize the number plate. A white rover with a scratch on the rear bumper and straw on the mudflap. Yes, it is the same car. Scratch? 
Oh, yes, so it has. Good gracious, there's a general coming out of the undertakers. You two again? They seem to be everywhere. What are you up to now? Uh, we're making progress, General. Have you thought of asking the General to write down his address? Oh, of course, it's a sample of handwriting. Uh, General, I wonder if you'd mind giving us a sample of your address. Yes? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, write down your address. In case we need to call on him again. Ah, yeah, well, you've got something to write with. Uh, um, well, there you are, General. Ah, good. Yeah, yeah, bit of a scrawl, I'm afraid. Thank you. Mm. Yeah, must be off. Haven't got time to waste at my time of life, eh? Good hunting to you. Come on, Holmes. Let's go inside. How long have you been, Mr. Gerard's partner, Mr. Lamson? Four years. How did that come about? I was the only one to stand up to him. What does that mean, exactly? He bought all the others out. When he bought up my firm, I held out for being his partner. I was the last firm in Reading, and his pride said he had to have everything, so he agreed. One part of your partnership agreement interests me. It is the unusual provision that in the event of one partner dying without leaving a will, the total partnership reverts to the ownership of the other. How could you know that? It's Holmes' profession to know such things. Well, I'd got Gerard worked out... He was a man of this world. He set no store by wills. I knew I'd have the last laugh. Ah. So, if you found out that he was drawing up such a document, it would be in your interest to see that he died first. Now, just a minute. You're not a policeman. You, you, you can't accuse Holmes me. Holmes only makes accusations once he is in possession of all the facts. Don't you, Holmes? Absolutely. It's those we are trying to elicit. Was I correct? Yes. But I had no reason to think Gerard had made a will. Hmm. Thank you, Mr. Lamson. Good day. Tell me, Mr. Lamson, as well as your legal knowledge, which comes, I imagine, from a spell in a solicitor's office, did you ever work at the chemical factory here? As a matter of fact, I did. Aha! Come along, Watson. Oh, by the way, what did the general want here just now? I can't see it's any of your business, but he was making arrangements for the funeral of one of the workers on his estate. Oh. Do come along, Watson. What? Oh, uh, thank you for your help, Mr. Lamson. I appreciate this is a difficult time, Miss Durham, but, but you, you could greatly assist us. I'll tell you what I can, but this gentleman... Madam, I assure you, I am fully in Holmes's confidence. Quite so. Now, what can you offer as an explanation for this killing? It can only be that poor Charles... Charles Sawyer, that is, quite lost his head. He was very persistent in his attentions. He just couldn't accept that I wasn't attracted to him. Why were you attracted to Mr. Gerard? Now, steady on, Holmes. It's all right. I can see the point of the question. But I can only believe Mr. Holmes asks it because he himself has never been in love. Ah, it... <laughs> oh, one cannot be perfect. <laughs> oh, Mr. Holmes, this is my brother Simon. Holmes? The detective? What's Fowler playing at now? Our visit has nothing We're to do with We're here in a private, not a police capacity. And why is that? Uh, Watson? Well... Uh, Dr. Watson uh, hesitates because it's a little unethical to tell you. But I've been engaged by Mr. Gerard's relatives. <laughs> what? Relatives? But I don't understand. I didn't know there were any relatives. No, I'm sure there aren't. Oh, the plural is misleading. It is, in fact, Mr. Gerard's brother. 
brother? But he died in South Africa. I have satisfied myself as to his authenticity. That's most odd. His principal concern, as Mr. Gerard's only surviving relative, is, as you might expect, his inheritance. Inheritance? There is, of course, no problem, as there is no will. But he would, in any case, contest one which excluded him. I don't understand. Simon... Mr. Holmes, I shall have to ask you to come back, if you must, some other time. My sister is not yet strong enough for prolonged bouts of questioning. Of course. Well, come along then, Watson. Let us return to the hotel. And perhaps I can finish the newspaper. You went over the top a bit at Miss Durham's, I thought, Holmes, saying you were representing someone who's dead. I was under the impression you needed extricating. And you rather went on about a will, too, I thought. Fowler said there wasn't one. Hmm, so he did. I don't know, Holmes. This doesn't seem to be making any sense at all. Where there's a will, there's a way. Oh, do stop going on about a will, Holmes. I got caught out in the Baskerville case that way, and it's not going to happen again. Don't you expect our work so far to provoke a reaction? Such as? Such as the new development just approaching. <clears throat> Excuse me, Mr. Holmes. This envelope addressed to you has been found on the reception desk. Ah, thank you. Thank you, sir. Go ahead, Watson. No, decent of you. If you wish to bring your investigations to a swift conclusion, be at 13 Templars Drive at midnight. Why midnight? Because all the honest citizens of Reading are abed by then. Holmes, this could be a trap. It would be unworthy of attention if it were not. You think we should go then? Well, certainly, if we are to have a little excitement to alleviate the boredom. Holmes, do you notice the way the words and letters are cut from a newspaper? Yes, the Reading Evening Post. The Reading? You, you know, he really is time you penned a short monograph on this use of newspaper cuttings to construct anonymous messages. I can think of little that would be more tiresome. Coffee? We've a few hours to kill, eh, Watson? Now, at least the rain's held off. None of these houses is occupied. Our man, or woman, has made a good choice. Here's 13. No sign of any lights. No knocker. Nothing for it but to try the bell, I suppose. Just a moment, Watson. That bell push is not new, but these marks around the edge are. See where the pointing of the brickwork is scratched? Yes. Let us show a little prudence. Does your umbrella have any sentimental value, Watson? Why, no. It's, uh, it's quite new, actually. Splendid. I promise you a first-class replacement and I'll return to London. Holmes. You're not going to throw my umbrella at the back. Well, the night air hasn't dulled your wits, Watson. At school, I possessed a certain skill with a javelin. Let's see how much of it I still have. This should provide just the necessary confirmation I require. If you ask me, you've had a lucky escape, Mr. Holmes. In our profession, there's no such thing, Inspector. Coincidence it should happen while you were there. They found a gas leak in the building. I'm surprised they found the building. Now, since you're out of bed anyway, shall we make a brief call? At this hour? Inspector, if we can bring these interminable proceedings to an end, I can return to London on the next available train. Oh, I hope you know what you're doing.
This is a hell of a time to come visiting. Uh, Mr. Holmes has promised me he'll be brief, Mr. Durham. Good. I apologize, Miss Durham. Thank you. Quite so. Now, Inspector, if you have a trained and sensitive nose, the smell of cordite lingers for some time after its use. As Watson found, it was present on the crossbow bolt. And it was present on a tree in the copse above the road where Gerard was killed. That tree had a fork in it where the bark was scraped. The crossbow bolt must have been fired from there, using a specially designed gun, presumably now disposed of. Now, who has sufficient knowledge to construct such a weapon and indeed subsequently to demolish 13 Templars Drive? The General. But you saw for yourself, Watson, when you gave him that little writing test. Those hands trembled too much from age and probably gin to deal safely with the making of a gun or the arming of a detonator. Ah, but then Gerard's partner, Lamson. Hence my question about the chemical factory. No, Watson. But what about the motive? You come upon that question somewhat late in the day, if I may say so, Inspector. The lovesick moonings of a young man are much less significant than the presence of a large sum of money. Once Sawyer had been convicted of the crime he did not commit, an authentic will coming to light would arouse little suspicion. But I found no will. That doesn't mean one does not exist. <gasps> Where did that come from? I came upon it in his house, placed there after your search. The general is not a beneficiary. Lamson's interest was in Gerard's death before a will was drawn up. But the principal beneficiary stood to gain a good deal. Did you not, Miss Durham? Mr. Holmes, I beg you... The time for begging, young lady, has passed. I put it to you that you were not in love with Gerard, but only led him to believe you were to the point of contracting marriage. What do you... Once Gerard had been fooled into thinking that for once in his life he had attracted a woman, he needed little persuasion to make a will in your favour. Inspector, this Farago has gone on long enough. How could my sister have killed Gerard in the way described? It's nonsense. I have said nothing about Miss Durham committing that part of the crime. Once she received the money, she would have been free to marry whom she wanted. The man who put her up to this, and who not only murdered Gerard, but attempted the same on Watson and myself. And who would be capable of that? A mining engineer. A man who saw none of that money the last time it changed hands. Gerard's brother. But Peter Gerard's dead. No, Miss Durham. He faked that, as you well know, since he's standing behind you. Oh, now, look here, I Inspector. think perhaps we'll hear Mr. Holmes out, Mr. Durham. The passport issued to Peter Gerard stated that he had a red birthmark on the right upper arm. Would you like to demonstrate you do not have such a birthmark, Mr. Durham? I'll be damned if I will. I never heard of it. Aha! The birthmark. Oh, Peter! Take him away. Well, I hope you'll cause us less trouble, Miss Durham. There's no point now, is there? Well... I hadn't expected anything like that, Mr. Holmes, I must say. Ah, but you see, Inspector, crime is common. Logic is rare. Watson, my grandfather said that. But just how did you come to be in the house and find that will? Uh, you have your man, Inspector. Don't concern yourself with the trivia. Now, which is the quickest way to the station from here? <laughs> It's good to be back. The country is no substitute for the city. Holmes, I can't quite work it out. What made you suspect they weren't brother and sister? The relationship was only stated. One should always require proof. But the reason you checked... Well, the smallest point is enough, Watson. He knew about the supposed death of Gerard's brother. And with traces of a tan which could scarcely be attributed to the summers of Berkshire, he was surely worth a little trifling research. <laughs> Now, enough of this doorstep banality about um, crime. Let's go in. I must get on with arranging some flying lessons. Hey, not so fast, Holmes. 
You must turn your mind next to preventing any more young girls being molested in Hyde Park. Oh, what, sir? No, really, I insist. <laughs> That episode of Second Home starred Peter Egan as Holmes and Jeremy Nicholas as Watson. Inspector Fowler was played by James Kerry, the General by Ronald Baddeley, and Lamson by Hugh Dixon, with Maddie Head as Janet Durham and Stuart Organ as Simon Durham. Second Homes was written by Grant Eustace and produced by Paul Mayhew Archer. (laughs) 